Hello, and welcome to Homegrown KC, a podcast dedicated to exploring Kansas City's fascinating history and sharing stories from church past. I'm your host, Laura. Join me today as we explore a piece of Kansas City's history. Hello, listeners. Thank you so much for your patience with this episode. I had originally planned for it to be out a few weeks ago, but um, I was busy, and then I was out of town for my nephew's fifth birthday, and then I lost power for a few days due to a massive storm. Um, so I ended up a bit behind my self-imposed schedule, but that's a good thing about podcasting is you're just doing it whenever you can. This is Topic 3, Sacred Ground of Series 5, People of the Island. Please make sure to listen to Topic 1, The Evil Isms, and Topic 2, The Long Journey of this series. I'm calling this series People of the Island because that is what the Wyandots call themselves. That's what their name means in their language. Uh, I also want to note here that according to the Wyandot Nation's official website, their traditional tribal name for themselves is actually Wandot or Wendet, and Wyandot is the English version of it. But I'm going to stick with Wyandot throughout this series because that is what they call themselves now. Before we begin, I also want to make clear that these episodes should in no way be considered a definitive history of these people. I am not the authority on Wyandot history, they are their own authority. But I had the opportunity to help tell their story. And I also had the opportunity to speak with 2nd Chief Louisa Libby of the Wyandotte Nation of Kansas. That conversation has been available to my patron listeners for the past couple months. And on June 1st, just a couple days from now, it is going to be available to everyone. Lastly, there is a content warning for this series. I won't get graphic, but there are discussions of slavery, genocide, and other tangential subjects, which may be difficult for some. Thank you. So, let's get started. Today, we are going to dive into the history of the Wyandotte National Burial Ground and KCK. So, remember in the last episode, The Long Journey Part 2, when the tribe first arrived to Kansas City in 1842-1843, they were promised this wide swath of land around Westport, but the boat captain bypassed that port entirely and he dropped them off in the West Bottoms instead, which is a few miles further down the river. In that area, if y'all have listened to my two episodes on the Kansas City Stockyards, you'll remember that the the ground is really low, and it floods a lot. It didn't flood that winter that they first arrived, but they had little food, water, basically no shelter. I mean, what they had was completely insufficient for their needs. So of the 600 people that came down the river from Sandusky, A hundred died within those first few months. In the spring, the Delaware sold them land on the Kansas side of the river, and the first thing they decided to do was establish a cemetery in order to bury their loved ones. So think about this for a second. You have no house, no infrastructure, still have very little food. The very first thing that you're going to do is you're going to dig up your dead from their temporary resting place, take them across the river, and rebury them. The very first thing. That's how important this cemetery was to the Wyandots. 
Well, they're just living their lives after that, establishing their settlement. Then the conflict begins. And that's conflict with capital Sikhs. It's a big deal. Starting in about 1890, various groups and corporations, even the Kansas governor, start looking about and they decide, hey, that's a nice piece of land you got there. Be a shame if something happened to it. Do, do you want to sell it? Yeah, yeah, you want to sell? No, right? No. Well, the answer should be no. I was super surprised to learn that the Oklahoma tribe, because remember I talked about this in the last episode, the tribe split again in 1857 after the Treaty of 1855, which had eliminated their tribal status and it made them citizens. A couple years later, big group of them decide, F this, we want to be Native Americans. We don't want to be U.S. citizens. We're going to go to Oklahoma. They got a nice reservation for us. And y'all know that's a lie. There's no <laughs> no land in Oklahoma. But um, that's, that's what they decided to do. So that's what they did. And so the Oklahoma tribe, they have no money in Oklahoma. They have no land. They bought some land from the Seneca tribe. They are super, super broke. And therefore, they are in favor of selling the land that the cemetery sits on up here in KCK. And it's actually members of the Kansas tribe that fight so hard and so long. This is a multi-decade long battle in order to protect this land, the resting place of their family members and ancestors. Uh, so everybody, I mean, even Congress gets on this going back and forth. Yes, you have permission. I can't sell it. I don't have permission. And okay, I want to, but whatever is stopping me. Um, go back and forth for about 16 years. And then in 1906, the Secretary of the Interior, because because the Kansas tribe are American citizens, they fall under the authority of the Secretary of the Interior. He is told, you have one job. Sell this land. One job. That's all you got to do. And everyone in the cemetery will be moved to Quindaro Cemetery. So that's it. There's no more hemming and hind. This land will be sold. In step the Connolly sisters. So most of the stories that you'll hear focus on Eliza Connolly, and for good reason. She is a total badass babe. I have this um, informal sort of list going on in my head of amazing women in Kansas City history, and she is top ten. In step these sisters, and I'm going to do my best to tell you about all of them equally. We have Eliza, a.k.a. Lida, Helena, a.k.a. Lena, and Ida. Their parents were Andrew Conley, who was born in 1835 and died in 1885, and Eliza Burton Zane Conley, who was born in 1839 and died in 1879. So, the mama's parents were Hannah Dickinson Zane, born 1794, died 1886, and Isaac Zane Jr. I don't have a, any dates for him. Andrew was English. He wasn't Native American. His parents were Daniel Conley, 1796 to 1837, and Deborah Hanford Conley, 1793 to unknown. And I'm thinking maybe it's because the Wyandots are traditionally a matriarchal society, but it was a lot easier for me to follow the maternal bloodlines than the paternal, 
with some nice shades of peace. And the three girls actually had a fourth sister. The eldest, Sarah McIntyre Connolly, was born in 1861, but she died March 3rd, 1880. She was only about 18 when she passed. Ida was the next born. She was born in 1863, and she lived 84 years, dying in October of 1948. Then there was Helena, born in 1867, and she lived until September of 1955, died at age 90. And then finally, the baby of the family is Lida, born in 1874, and she lived until May of 46. She was 71 when she died. So the trajectory of her life actually makes a lot of sense when you think that she's the youngest because she she really fought for her beliefs. Um, I mean, they all did, but the, the way in which she fought for hers seems very youngest sibling to me. So, in 1890, when this battle first begins, Mama and Papa and Sister Sarah, they're already gone. Ida is 27, Helena is 23, and Lida is only 16. Their parents, grandparents, their sister, cousins, like everybody that they know is buried in the cemetery. This is sacred ground, and these girls are going to do everything that they can to defend it. Helena and Lida both go to college, and there's a story that they took a little canoe and rowed across the river every day to attend Park University. And since, you know, they're living on the Kansas side of the river, not in Parkville, I totally believe it. In 1902, now age 28, Lida graduated from the Kansas City School of Law and passed the bar in Missouri. And then she passed the Kansas bar in 1910. She was one of the first women to get her degree from the School of Law. Um... And this is one of the reasons why the story often focuses on her is because she's a lawyer. I couldn't find anything that said when the school, I mean, when the school started allowing women to attend. But I did find something that said that it was not founded until 1872. So, I mean, this is just a few short years later. I imagine there hadn't been very many women before this. Anyway, once it's cleared that the land is going to be sold, you know, so now we're back in 1906, the sisters built a little one-room shack on the cemetery grounds, and they declared it Fort Conley. And then for the next several years, decades, actually, at least one of the sisters was in residence at all times, 24-7. And they were armed with a shotgun, which they used. <laughs> um, that shotgun is now on display at the Wyandotte County Museum in Bonner Springs, Kansas. I'm going to lose a little bit of street cred for this. I still have not visited that museum. It's been on my list for a year or more since I spoke to Amy Locke, the museum's director. The museum sounds amazing, and especially because of this connection, I really want to go see it. I just, honestly, I have not taken the time to do so yet. Um, that I do plan on doing this summer. So watch out for that, because I'll have uh, photos up on all my social pages. But that conversation with Amy, that is available to my patron supporters if you're interested. Here's where it gets good, though. So, Lida is an attorney, and she, quote, filed a permanent injunction against the U.S. Secretary of the Interior and the Indian Commissioners in the U.S. District Court to prevent the sale, end quote. And this case, because she's, I mean, my understanding is she's, like, basically suing them or something, is escalated all the way up to the Supreme Court, and in 1910, excuse me, 
1910, which is when she passed the Kansas bar, she becomes the first Native American woman to argue a case before the Supreme Court. This is a second reason why she is totally badass and the focus of the story. Sadly, they did not win the case, but it actually, it turns out it's kind of like losing the battle to win the war. So the court decided in favor of the defendant, which is the Secretary of the Interior. Honestly, I think it's all because they just wanted money. Um, and they decide you can still sell this land. But the Connolly sisters continued to live in their shack on the burial grounds. And I think I read, or more likely Chief Libby might have said that the shack was torn down several times, but then they rebuilt it and rehabilitated it each time. They were arrested several times, too. I mean, there's, um, an, I think it was a newspaper article all the way up into the 1930s that said that one of them was arrested. Um, but they just, they're not going to give up. And Lida's case had caught the attention of the Kansas Senator Charles Curtis. So in 1913, he, quote, passed a law protecting the cemetery from future development, end quote. Um, I think he basically declared it a historic landmark, but like only at the state level. So it's protected, but not entirely. And this is, so this is not the end of our story, but um, it is where I'm going to stop today because it turns out I had a lot to say and it was too much for one episode I had to cut into. And I'm just now seeing that um, this is a very short episode because I'm only at like 13 minutes. <laughs> Um, anyways, so we are going to stop here. It's, it's a good stopping place and I'll, you'll see why in the next episode. Um, sources. A lot of my sources for this episode, um, they're the same as the previous ones. Special collections at KCK PNL, um, the KCK PNL. Uh, also the talks with Chief Libby that I attended. Um, there's that video of John Nichols and Ty Edwards, which I'm going to link to on my website once I finally get the website built. Um, I also used findagrave.com and the National Women's History Museum, which has a page on Lida, which is super awesome. And the Kansas City Public Library, that's the museum, um, sorry, the Missouri Kansas City Public Library. They also have a webpage all about Lida, and it's written by Cara Evans Flynn. It's very good. Um, the Clio webs, um, com, which is a website, um, it is open sourced, so it is um, created by multiple people um, across the nation, mostly educators of one type or another, um, also writers and newspaper people. What do you call them? News newspaper writers. Sorry, totally blanking. Anyways, um, they all have submitted, you know, information on historical and cultural sites throughout America. And um, so Clio.com also has a webpage on Lido, which was really cool. So the links that I'm going to have on my website are a video tour of the burial ground given by Principal Chief of the Wyandotte Nation of Kansas, Judith Mantha. Manthe, sorry, I think it's pronounced Manthe. Um, who I have not had the pleasure of meeting, but she sounds wonderful. Also, the Kansas statutes regarding unmarked burials, the Kansas State Preservation Law, um, and NAGPRA Law, which all of this I'm going to talk about in part two. Um, 
Also, as I said, the talk hosted by the Kansas City, Kansas Public Library um, between John Nichols and Ty Edwards. I hope that you will consider becoming a financial porter of the show if you are enjoying this content. There are several ways you can do so. You can subscribe to patreon.com slash homegrownkc or redcircle.com slash homegrownkc. If you simply want to give a one-time donation, you can do so at redcircle.com slash homegrownkc or ko-fi.com slash homegrownkc. That's ko-fi.com. And you can give as little or as much as you want, even as little as a dollar. Here's how it works. When you sign up um, and create a crown, subscribe to become a monthly supporter. You'll be charged on that day and then on the first of every month following. And if you become a patron, you get some cool stuff. One, you get access to bonus episodes featuring other local historians, archivists, museum experts. Two, you get a shout out on each episode and social media post. So thank you, Bjorn, Joan, and Gina for your continued support. And you receive an item from the merchandise store valued at $5 or less. If you simply give a one-time donation, you do not get anything from the merch store and you do not get access to my patron episodes, but I will give you a shout out on the next episode. Additionally, 1% of every donation given on Kofi will automatically go to help fight climate change. I know that we're all tight money-wise right now, uh, because the war in Ukraine is making inflation prices rise everywhere. Um, But that's why, if you can support me, I could really use your help. Um, Planning on a lot of adventures this summer. Um, That'll be content for you as I create... um, What's the word I'm looking for? As As I go to the On These Adventures and take photos... But I'm also going to make mini-sodes out of some of them. And um, every little bit that you guys can give me will help pay for the gas to get around the city. Um, we had the first City History Festival about a month ago on April 30th. And I just wanted to actually take a moment to give a shout-out to everyone who came out to that festival. And a thank you to everyone who stopped by the booth and spoke with me. It was hella cold and hella windy. We had like 30 mile an hour winds that day. Um, so it was really awesome to see how many of y'all came out because there's quite a few. You can visit my website for additional information. That's homegrownkc.wordpress.com. You can also sign up for my newsletter there. Um, it'll be once a month, about the first of every month, you'll get an email that says, hey, here's what's going on with the, the podcast. Here's what's new and upcoming. So it's a great way to just stay current. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or episode suggestions, you can email me at homegrownkcpodcast at gmail.com, or you can slide into one of my DMs um, on all the social networks, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, uh, Tumblr. I also have a YouTube channel. Please follow and subscribe me on all of those. You can go to zazzle.com slash store slash homegrown underscore kc underscore store to see what's available I have t-shirts, tank tops, that's great, with summer coming, uh, hats, socks. I think I have a mask if you're um, needing one of those. Um, what else? Some uh, coffee mugs, beer glasses, etc. And that's Z-A-Z-Z-L-E dot com slash store slash homegrown underscore Casey underscore store. Thank you goes out to my talented sister-in-law, Sarah McCombs, for the creation of my logo. 
to the Dear Misses for the use of their song Kansas City as the intro and outro music of the show, and local libraries which enable me to gather all my research. Thank you for listening. Cheers. seem to shake this feeling and I can seem to get you off my mind. I've lost my nerve forever and I know that it's now or never to try and see this through. Die loose ends up with bow and start anew. We could talk through the nights on